Previously on Geek Salad. I don't care what you say. Jeremy Johns just... Ah! Why? Why? I don't disagree with you about that. Then why'd you bring it up? I didn't. Oh my god, guys. Can we talk about something not... Droid right For five minutes? Droid rights. L3 was right. L3 was right and you know it. Salads, um, look at podcasts and YouTubes. Uh, I'm Andy. Okay, I am Mike. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Mike. I'm Joe. Hi, Joe. I'm Catherine. Woo! You guys. Jeez. Oh, Boys. Boys. Um, we are back uh, to discuss our YouTube, our favorite YouTube channels. Um, our previous episode, we covered everything podcast related. And now we're on to YouTube. The tube. The tube. All right. So we actually had some social media feedback about YouTube. Correct, Catherine? I, I do. Yeah, I do too. Go ahead. Hit All it. All right. So my buddy Kevin from work, uh, he listens to, he watches The Lock Picking Lawyer. A guy picks different off-the-shelf locks and tells you how to, shows you how to do it. It's like being a rogue 101. Mm-hmm. Uh, girlfriend reviews. Woman who has never played games before reviews games from the point of view of watching her boyfriend play the game. It's very funny. I'm like, yeah, I, I mostly just like watching my husband play games. He's like, we should play this, we should play that. I don't care. The only, <laughs> the only thing I ever wanted to play was Borderlands 2, and that was totally worthwhile. Uh, Dabby Chappy reviews and teaches how to play D&D 5th Edition. He's actually shared some of those uh, with, with our, our work D&D crew. Uh, Tolarian Community College English professor reviews Magic the Gathering products and peripherals. I think he's up to 75 different card sleeves reviewed so far. Uh, Wormwood, the channel for high-end role-playing peripherals company, including their weekly vlog, Worm Life. Uh, they're out of Taunton, Massachusetts. Really? They make some really quality wooden um, gaming stuff. Hmm. He was just showing off, like, he's got these like little coffin things for holding his dice, and he's got a, his, his wife for an early birthday present, gave him a dice rolling tower. That's ah. pretty cool. Cool. Any others? That's it for him. Alright, and uh, Chris from Chris's Cultural Corner. KKK, that's not good. Uh, gives us some of his favorite YouTube channels in no particular order. Uh, Game Grumps, funny, let's play video games channel. <laughs> good Mythical Morning, Rhett and Link are the YouTube version of Good Morning America. Fanboy Flicks, Canadian review, uh, reviews bad, weird movies. Favorite reviews are by Neil Brain movie and Birdemic. Or any Neil Brain movie and Birdemic, sorry. Yeah. Oversimplified. Highly recommend channel where simple animation is used hilariously to describe moments in history. Favorite episodes, The Cold War, The War of the Bucket, and The Emu War. Cinemascar, James Rolfe, a.k.a. The Angry Video Game Nerds channel. I love the rental reviews and, of course, the Angry Video Game Nerd episodes. Um... I know you guys are going to talk about this in a moment, but watch Mojo and watch Mojo UK. The only place to go to watch top ten uh, lists, especially Doctor Who ones. Uh, the YTP channels, Things and Noise Puppet. I am really into the YouTube poop videos. The editing oh, in some of these is so good and so funny. I highly recommend, wow, it's made, uh, wow, it's made by Dathlings and 70s Lay Dive to Your Privates uh, by Noise Puppet. That just sounds like a bunch of words, Chris. <laughs> Game Chasers, two guys from Texas, Billy and Jay, explore video games, flea markets, and yard sales looking for rare video games. Being the Elite, 
And Road to AEW, fledgling wrestling company AEW's YouTube channel run by the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes, respectively. I've really become a fan of AEW and hope they succeed to at least provide a little competition for the WWE monopoly on wrestling. Todd in the Shadows, still love his channel, and now along uh, with his one-hit Wonderland, he has his new segment I love, Train Records. And that is it for Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Yay! Yay! All right. Who wants to Who wants to start us off? Uh, well, I'll go. All right. Yay. Okay. So, um, some of the ones I'm going to talk about they're they're no longer making new episodes, but I like going back and watching them again anyway. Uh, first of all, is Will Wheaton's Tabletop, okay. which was on the Geek and Sundry Network mm. on YouTube. Today on Tabletop, Jerry Ryan. Kari Walgren, and my son, Ryan Wheaton, are all here to play an updated version of the classic hobby game, Settlers of Catan. Our mission is to seek out new resources, to boldly build new starship supply lines, outposts, and starbases, to avoid the robber, and be the first to achieve 10 victory points by settling the final frontier. This is Star Trek Catan. And I learned about a bunch of great board games there, like Castle Panic is still a favorite uh, for us. It's a cooperative board game. And it was just a, a fun show of like watching people play a game, and you could decide whether you wanted to play it, or, and you could get your own copy or not. Um, and he got like you know various people that he knew from the industry on the show to, to play games with him. Or uh, you know people that he met because they had similar tastes. Like, he had a former Vikings football player on the oh, show. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, huh. Yeah, they're, they're a former kicker. Yeah. his name. Yeah, I forget his name, too. He's very funny. active on Twitter. But, yeah, exactly. And and they had shared opinions, made friends, and got to have him on the show. Hmm. So it was it was really cool and a lot of fun. So. Awesome. But, yeah, not making new episodes, so I just have to, like, go back and watch Fiasco again, because that is my absolute favorite <laughs> episode. It's like watching my favorite cheesy 70s movie over and over and over again. <laughs> it was such a good, well-done episode. <laughs> Alright. Yes, I'll take Yeah, go one. ahead. Alright, my first one, and this is probably my, my absolute favorite YouTube channel, and it's called The Try Channel. And this is an outgrowth of what used to be The Facts Channel, and before that imploded. And a couple of the contributors, because The Facts Channel was so popular... It had almost like almost two million subscribers before it imploded. It was so popular, especially here with the with fans here in the U.S. That two of the contributors decided to start up their own channel, the Try Channel, and have been basically took over that kind of that niche, that space. And basically, what it is is it's based in Ireland, and there's like this rotating cast of you know like uh, local like Irish talent, you know like comedians, actors, and musicians and stuff like that. And they have them sit down at a table, and and, and they just have them try stuff, you know, like food, food, alcohol, gross things. Or they have them try, you know, they'll have them do like activities. Like a couple of weeks ago, they had them do. uh, They had all the guys try pole dancing, (laughs) which was hilarious. The new hotter than hell black chip. Then tortilla chips are in black, Sean. This one is. Great. Contains a devilish amount of seasoning from the inf- infamous Carolina Reaper pepper, certified by Guinness World Records as the world's hottest chili pepper. Well, this sounds like a hoot. Only true masochists will share their attempt with the world. That's me! I'm a masochist! I've had my fair share of spicy things here, but I've also given an unfair share of spicy things to many people on this channel, so now I'm doing this, and now I regret everything. But it's, it's always great because, one... It well, you gotta love an Irish accent, right? Two, it's all comedians, so they all, they, so they're all just wicked funny, especially when they start getting drunk. When they do like the hard liquor, the hard liquor t- yeah. taste test, they really, really, <laughs> really get drunk. But it's fun. But it's always, it's always fun. It's harmless. It's a good, good fun time, and you know, and I, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the uh, the fan group on on Facebook. And the talent will actually interact with the fans on on the Facebook group and you know chat and t- talk back and forth. It's you know it's it's a lot of fun. It's very funny. 
watch like the, the when they ta- taste test like the uh, the um, um, like the disgusting. There's one video where they taste tested uh, durian, which is this fruit that's been described as, as having smelling like rotting flesh or sewage. <laughs> so there's one one uh, one contributor. Her name's Justine, Justine, and she was on it and she tried it, and you know she had. It, I mean, it was disgusting. She she almost I think she threw up and stuff like that. Well, a couple episodes later, they had her back on to taste test like weird coffee, and one of the taste one of the coffee flavors was durian flavored. Oh coffee. no! And she looked at it and she smelled it and she's like, "Is this durian fruit coffee?" And she's like, "I'm still having flashbacks." <laughs> <laughs> no. So, nope. yeah, basically, she's safe it out of yeah. <laughs> basically, yeah. I, so, yeah, I love, I love the ones where they try anything that has like Carolina Reaper pepper. Oh God, yeah, in it. <laughs> like they did the Devil's Toe challenge, yep. which is the lollipop. Um, they did the pe- the one the single chip challenge. The single chip challenge was hilarious. They did one that was the uh, chocolate. Yeah, it's like one little bite of chocolate, and one of the guys was just like, you know. I wish my dad told me he loved me more. You know, it was just like... <laughs> <laughs> having these cathartic moments because this thing is so hot. And they're just... The, the, the challenge is to go as long as you can before you dispel the, the heat with, like, yeah. milk or ice cream or something. And, oh, my God. it's They are a lot of fun. I like a lot of the talent on there. I think the only one that if I met him, I'd probably punch him in the face is the leather jacket guy. Leather jacket guy. He, he, they, they don't have him as much as... as no, because he really people. seems like he's into himself. Yes. Way too fucking much. Yes. Yes, he is. So. All right. Mike. Yes. What do you got? Um, I've got you know the one I most watch, um, and I've mentioned it a number of times, Collider. Yep. Um... My go-to source for most movie news, uh, very friendly personalities. I have actually met a few of them, and I almost ran into them at uh, D23. Um, it was interesting. I was in line, though, so I couldn't stop and talk to them. But very nice people, and um, they you know, they just give a nice general overview of all the movie news that's coming out. Okay. Excellent. Cool. Um, all right, on my list, what do I have here? I don't know. All right. Um, I want to start with What Culture Wrestling. Number eight, The Hurricane. I love The Hurricane. From that nonsense opening where he shouted, Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. They're thinking he had the strength of a thousand suns. He was a superhero character before superheroes had re-entered the mainstream, thanks to the likes of Christopher Nolan's Batman movies and, of course, the Marvel Universe. That's not to say they weren't popular, because on some level they always have been, but it wasn't a completely obvious idea when Shane Helms appeared in a mask and acted like he was about to fly off and save the world. In many ways, you could say it was a risk. Given he had a green arrow tattoo on his arm, it made perfect sense for the former WCW man. As the invasion angle drew to a close in 2001, Helms did indeed start acting like he was a superhero. The audience loved it and there was no doubt he was over, so much so that in 2003, he had a mini feud with The Rock and even beat him. His merchandise sales improved during this run too and it was that lovely balance between kids kind of thinking it was real and adults just enjoying the absurdity of it all. Uh, which also, to an aside, is also uh, Cultaholic uh, Wrestling, which used to be part of what culture, and then split off onto their own thing when, you know, just like with the with the, uh, the Fax Network, they kind of just split, splintered, and didn't exactly implode, but I, I love what culture wrestling, because they have, they have the, your daily wrestling uh, updates, your news, they do the reviews of all the shows, um... But they also just, they, they, they take a lot of their articles that they put online and all, then make videos of them. And they've got such a great group of personalities. It's based out of England, too, so everyone's got, like, you know, very dignified English accents. Um, but it's just, it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of fun to listen to because they don't mind making fun of wrestlers as well. I mean, there's, there's really no reverence here in terms of, you know, like they, they they mention a whole lot of stuff about Shane McMahon's big purple sweaty head and <laughs> um, you just just stuff like that. It, it's it's a great channel. I mean, the, all of what culture is actually really great because they also cover movies and comic books. Uh, but I'm really taken by their uh, by their wrestling channel. I mean, we don't we used to talk more about wrestling on this show. We we don't anymore. But um, 
Yeah, it's it's just it's a lot of fun to listen to. Cool. All right, back to me. That's back to you. Yeah. Okay, so another thing, also no longer really in production, but I still like going back and watching old episodes is Thug Notes from the Wisecrack channel. Thug Notes is like a Cliff's Notes, but it's yep. hosted by Doc Sweets, <laughs> who's sweet. who's this loud black guy with kind of snaggle teeth who does like in-depth reviews of books and they've they've covered things from like ranging from, you know, the stuff that you normally would get Cliff's notes on like The Great Gatsby because fuck that book. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, or The Hobbit. And uh, he just, you know, runs the gamut, does a lot of different stuff. After making a bitch out of their enemies, the king's fresh generals Macbeth and Banquo hit up three witches who start laying down some cold prophecy. Them witches say one day Macbeth going to rock the crown as king. And Banquo's blood also gonna be rolling on royal doves one day. Macbeth all geeked up about being big baller, but his woman Lady Macbeth be all like, Why you wasting time, playboy? You best get off your lazy white ass and take that sh**. So Lady McBee convinces McBeezy to shank King Duncan while he catches some Z's and lay the blame on his two chamberlains while they passed out from sipping too much drink. And it's... It's they they have like little animated things illustrating the story as he explains it, and then they so they do like a summary and then they do analysis, and uh, you know, just the way he does it, it's just <laughs> it's just so funny the way he explains it. It is <laughs> Thug Notes is a really good explanation, but he's he's given you really good information. Okay, um, awesome. about these things that you could that you could take take with you and learn stuff about. <laughs> nice. Uh, by the way, before um, Joe continues, I did leave some stuff off from Todd, because I forget that we split up his stuff as well uh, for his YouTube channels. So he's got uh, Epic Rap Battles of History, incredibly oh, funny, but also very smart comedy. I will watch these multiple times and pick up new jokes, and sick burns yeah. on every viewing. Uh, there is Bad Lip Reading from the NFL to Walking oh, Dead to Star Wars. I love Bad Lip Reading. Yeah. BLR is always entertaining. My daughter Lily loves the songs they create, especially from Star Wars. No, their best one, the best bad loop reading has to be Game of Thrones. Absolutely. <laughs> Hot dog stands got no ketchup. How did you Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see that, Mike, you also like epic rap battles of history. My husband loves epic rap battles yeah. of history. I actually just watched, uh, before I came over, I watched uh, Julie Child versus Gordon Ramsay. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Julie Child, get, I, I think Julie Child got that one. She gets <laughs> some really nice, good digs in there. I need, I need to complete thoughts, thoughts here, though, by the way. Sorry about yeah. B- uh, yep, BLR. Yep, yep. It's so much uh, fun seeing what they come up with when you know the dialogue from the movie by heart. They were waiting in the bushes, love. <laughs> oh, dude, their, their NFL stuff just... Oh, my, I love their NFL, their NFL stuff. stuff. I have a new helmet! <laughs> I play for this guy. He's got a Frisbee. <laughs> and then uh, Todd, hey, concludes, Todd concludes with Hot Ones. Great interview show where guests eat progressively hotter hot sauces. Oh, have you seen the one with Paul Rudd? No. Oh, oh no. my God. <laughs> where he, he shows the guy how to... How to take a picture so it looks using your finger so it looks like he's, he's, you're looking like between a guy's buttocks. Uh huh. Oh, look, look it up. It's so funny. Oh god. Oh, all right. Well, thank you, Todd. Sorry we we left that off. I thought we covered all your stuff in the last episode. Woo. I was wrong. Sorry, Joe. Go ahead. Anyways, so the next step on my my uh, for my YouTube channels is uh one I watch religiously is Watch Mojo. Oh yeah. You know it's. You it is arguably the better than anything BuzzFeed has ever come up with top ten list videos. Fuck BuzzFeed. Oh, BuzzFeed. I've, yeah. I've had it with them. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, Mike would appreciate this is because a lot of the anime, my anime recommendations, I get from Watch Mojo. <laughs> <laughs> like top ten romantic anime or top ten fantasy anime. Or actually, like just that. a few days ago, they dropped uh, top ten. Uh, anime uh, come back from death moments. Yes, yeah, and and they look like the, the most obscure, like top ten, like like you said, top ten coming back from death. Okay, mm-hmm. top ten best guitarists. Okay, I'm in. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, they had one. I saw it was like, from a couple of years ago. Like, <laughs> like top ten best female metal singers. Yeah. 
Um, actually, Scarlett and I watch a lot of those, too, because they have a lot of stuff on Harry Potter and The Simpsons and Disney. Mm. Their Disney lists are great. Yeah. Their Disney lists are a lot of fun. Their Simpsons lists are fantastic. And they also have done stuff like with Rick and Morty and American Horror Story. So... I've, I've seen some, some of the Watch Mojo top ten lists, and they're fun. Yeah. The thing I like about them, too, is that they're not really, like, I don't find any pretension in them at all. Yeah. No. No, not like BuzzFeed. Because, again, fuck, fuck BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed. <laughs> Mike, go ahead. Uh, as a counter or a counterpoint to uh, Joe's uh, Watch Mojo, I've got Miss Mojo. Ah. Which, that's where they have more of the... She has the pink bow and has, like, the, uh, the <laughs> mazes that change up every level. Well, uh, Miss Mojo's got more of, like, the... Like, you know, they can go some... They can go pretty extreme. Like, they got a lot of the horror... Top ten horror lists and on Watch Mojo. Miss Mojo's a little bit more gentle. A little bit more PG-13. Yeah. That's where you get a lot of more Disney lists. Like, yeah. Um, some of the more, like, you know, best Saturday morning cartoon lists. Stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, every now and then when I'm, you know, it's dark and I don't want to watch all top top ten horror mo- movie endings, I'll go, you know what? I'm going to watch top ten uh, best songs from a, from a Disney movie list. Yeah. And that's Miss Mojo. Yeah. Those are great lists. Oh, yeah. They are really great. I do love now, too, that they're giving their people that are doing the voiceovers credit now. Like, oh, yeah. they actually make a camera appearance now yeah. instead of just being like this... Just disembodied voice. Yeah, they'll 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 uh, intro it by actually being right there on camera, telling you, and they'll have like all their names listed on there before they go into the list. I, I like that too. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't realize that two of them were sisters. When they have, they uh, look like sisters. And they, they Joe the, just sent me that picture you just discussed on here. Go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> he did that with his. He does that with his fingers. His pinky finger. <laughs> God, that's disgusting. Sorry, Mike. Yeah, but no. They Joe's did, just throwing shade at you. They did uh, top ten, like, best sibling moments. Yeah. And they actually had... Oh. And they actually had two of the hosts on there, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize they were siblings. I'm actually looking forward to seeing how they, they handle everything with Disney+. Plus. Like, if they actually cover, like, you know, best and worst on the Disney Plus thing. <laughs> they, they did they did cover a... Uh, what was it? Um, top ten... Uh, top ten moments where the Simpsons uh, skewered Disney. Disney. Yes, I just actually watched that with Scarlett the other night. <laughs> they, had some re- I, they had some moments I didn't realize because they came like after when you I you stopped watching. It's just scratchy, itchy, itchy, scratchy. It's just scratchy, itchy, itchy, scratchy. Casper's they didn't put um, itchy and scratchy land higher up. Yeah, or it better yet. Euro, itchy, scratchy yeah, land. <laughs> Open for business. <laughs> Adorable Casabas team, who you to resist, huh? My children need wine. Come on, my last three paychecks bounced. <laughs> <laughs> my children need wine. <laughs> All right, what's up uh, next on mine? Okay, so mine is, it's one man who does a lot on YouTube. Uh, that is Bob Chipman of the movie Bob and the Escapist. Watchmen was considered not only unfilmable on a practical level, but to many fans, something that it would be sacrilege to even attempt. There's probably no universe where the owls of Gahul ever looked like a sherbet. And of course, whatever you think of the result, Sucker Punch is one of the most audacious and recognizably personal films a director of his caliber has ever convinced a major studio to release at that point in his career. A densely layered film of ideas and meditations that aims all at once to be an exploration of cinematic language, a manifesto on visual and thematic representations of gender, sexuality, and the feminine form in contemporary genre film, a deconstruction and celebration of genre differentiation, a representational argument between generational schools of post-1960s feminist theory and a repository for a succession of unmistakably specific visual tableaus that had clearly been scrambling to break free from the director's fertile imagination for years. I say again for clarity, irrespective of your opinion on the film itself, alone puts a lie to the idea of Snyder as some kind of hack. Regardless of execution, hacks do not make that kind of personal introspective work and certainly don't lay themselves out on the altar to be lashed at over it. That's what makes them hacks. Honestly, if there was any human being I might, and not only that, I I don't agree with him 100% of the time, but unlike a lot of the discourse that we see in social media and with nerddom, just because I I disagree with him 10% of the time, or I agree with him 90% of the time, rather, doesn't make him my 10% enemy. Right, exactly. I, I respect every one of his opinions. Whether or not I agree with it is one thing. But the thing, the, well, the thing is, is, 
his opinions are so well formed and, and so well, well thought in, out. Well, in, 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 he's well informed, well thought out, and there's a logical sense to his his thought process, which you don't see in a lot of fandom. No, you don't. He is not need. Well, all right, I think the best way to describe Bob is that he is not knee jerk. No, at all. No. Um, in fact, if you've ever seen. If you, you need to watch, and this is the required viewing I'm going to give you for him, is really that bad Batman versus Superman. It is a three-part thing that lasts longer than the actual movie itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it is so well thought out, and it is just it, it just lays out these points about Batman and Superman. What could have gone right? What you know? What could have gone right under better hands, and why it failed so spectacularly? And it's just great because then he would cut it in with the sides that he had done after he had produced stuff because by this point he expected the whole thing to be out by the time Justice League had come out mm-hmm. and he didn't. And he's just like, well, now we know that Justice League did poorly. And so there's this. And he really, he's honestly, I think my most trusted person to go to about movie reviews. Mm-hmm. I mean, he fucking loved Godzilla King of Monsters. I enjoyed that one. Absolutely loved it. But he was like, this is all it is. Right. He, he, yeah. Because he understands what he what what it is that right. he's watching. He knows Godzilla is not high art. It's not supposed to be high art. It's supposed to be giant monsters fight each other. And that's why he loved it. Because that's what he was expecting. That's what he got. Exactly. And he loved the, he loved the movie for it. And once once he finally gets really that uh, really that great Star Wars out. It's been a project that he's been working on for over a year. Yeah. Oof. Are you familiar with Buck Chipman at all? Nope. Definitely worth your watch. Definitely. <laughs> and his Twitter game is on fire. Oh, he, he is, is awesome. On, I don't awesome get... Because really, all people have on him that they try to fight him with, they fat shame him. Oh, and he's lost a ton of weight. They fat shame him and, and his Boston accent. And his Boston accent. Which, yeah, okay, whatever. He's like, you know? yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't give a shit. But he is, uh, he is honestly one of my favorites. Um... He does stuff. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't like broken out into a bigger. Well, with the Escapist kind of coming back, mm-hmm. that's kind of his his new platform now. Um, they actually this week just did one where he's just explaining that no, you idiot, you got Luke Skywalker wrong. Right. He's not supposed to come back like Clint Eastwood. You know, he's a bitter yeah. old man. He actually follows. No, he actually follows the Arthurian. Yeah. Trajectory, you know, starry-eyed youth is given the, the weapon, um, becomes great, fails at his greatness, and then goes off somewhere to disappear. Literally. Like did. Exactly. Exactly. Who does that sound like? So, he's fantastic. Uh, definitely check his stuff out. And, uh, Catherine, you're up next. Okay, something I don't watch regularly, but I do turn in, tune into, is Fitzy. Hmm? Oh, Fitz and GFY. Fitz and GFY. He is a uh, Boston guy. Speaking of, like, you reminded me of the whole Boston accent mm. thing. He's a, like, you go to you go to the website, it's townynews.com. He is a big Patriots fan. The The episode recently where he went to the, the Jets game. Yes. The, our recent Jets game and interviewed people at the, all the tailgaters, at the, all the Jets fan tailgaters. <laughs> J-E-S-T Jets. Um, hey, it, you know, it, 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 it's funny you mention him because I got turned on to him from your website. Okay. From from Frognet because when you after we lost the uh, the New York Giants, the first New York Giants. Okay. Super Bowl, you posted his his, uh, his yeah. video on your website where you just went off, and I thought, oh my god, this He's is so, so funny. funny. And yeah, so he was going around and he was inter- and like watching his his talking about. Um, Oh, to all these Jets fans, like, oh, we're gonna totally win, and they got smoked like thirty-three to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so watching, watching all of that before it was, oh, he's just—he he was actually there was like a, a an event, you know, the sending sending the team off to the Super Bowl where he is actually on stage for a bit. He's done, oh. he's done that well. But he's, is, does he also do like the shits Patriots fans say? Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Is it wrong of me to want Aaron Hernandez to show up? He hasn't been convicted of anything yet. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's like all the things that they've either overheard or people have commented or whatever. Yeah. Just like, 
this is dumb. We're going to repeat it so that you can see how dumb people are. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he, he's actually got a gig now on uh, on WEI 93.7. Oh. He, does the morning, he does the morning show with Greg Hill on Tuesdays. So. Oh. Cool. Mike? Uh, actually, Joe, sorry, you're up next. All right, my next one is, and I spoke about the, bo- the podcast uh, in our previous uh, episode, but... This is the video series that it came from. Is uh, TLDR again? Too long. Yep. I didn't read. And this is like this is their news video uh, series where they discuss the day's events. And what really kind of got me turned on to this is you know I I, I kind of like follow what's going on with Brexit. Brexit. Yeah. Yeah. Breakfast. Well, because I watch yeah. it in the mornings. Yeah. Yeah. Yet another. I, I like the whole all the jokes that we're seeing about you know in fifty years people from England will go from the UK will go and request an extension on Brexit and nobody knows where this tradition came from, <laughs> <laughs> which would be a very British thing to do. It's yeah, the, it's the annual go go to the EU request another extension. But again, it, they're going to get another bank holiday out of it. For again, it's, years. What, it's, what, it's an extension of like again like I like to read news from outside sources or from like I read the Guardian in the morning I read yeah. the Independent yeah. and stuff like that because I like seeing our news from a different perspective right and this TLDR does a really good job of breaking down and making sense of what's going on you know and like to an outsider Brexit makes absolutely no sense you're thinking to yourself why would the British do this and they do a good job of okay. This is the reasoning why this is you know the, this is the way things are. So, hmm. so if you if you want to get news from you know from that's not connected to any way to the the, the bullshit that's going on in this country, <laughs> I, re- I highly recommend it. Yep. Excellent, Mike. Yep. Uh, my next one I'm going to go with is uh, one I found fairly recently called Yesterworld. Okay. Um. You know, again, big Disney fan right here. Uh, so they, tell me more. This guy, <laughs> yeah. uh, they he pretty much goes into like kind of the um, the Disney World and Disneyland that was and that kind of could have been. Much like the unbuilt Liberty Street, Edison Square was one of the early planned expansions for Disneyland, and within this new land was to be a signature attraction, General Electric's Harnessing the Lightning. The show was to feature a cast of electromechanical personalities telling the story of the advancement of technology through a four-act structure. The days of pre-electricity, the early days of electricity, the present date in terms of when the attraction was to open, and finally 19 blank A as an unspecified future, and the show would have ended with an epilogue in the form of a GE product showcase. But remember, this was still around 1957, and these electromechanical personalities, aka human-like animatronics, were still a ways off. This, combined with GE's 1960 legal troubles that included $50 million in damages, jail sentences for managers, and others fleeing the country, led to the project being put on indefinite hold. Like he'll, he'll go into, you know, some of the rides and some of the attractions. Is that the one with the narration that sounds like this? And Spaceship Earth came out in 1982. No, no, no. He, right. he, sounds, he sounds more like a normal person. All right, because I, I have a feeling that I, I also I have watched this, this channel as well. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I but you know he, he has like you know he'll have you know some top five list of like top five rides that were and but he'll like he'll like take a, a ride like the um, the what was it the Rocket Racers? Yep. From oh Disneyland. yeah. And he'll go he'll go in depth like you know this is what happens this is you know how why Michael Eisner thought it was a great idea this is why it failed this is why Michael Eisner decided to drop it. He he's finds a way to bring most of the stuff that went bad in Disney playing in Disney World back to Michael Eisner being a uh, kind of an idiot, a yeah. benevolent asshole. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, but he, it's you know, I, I I love seeing like some like the more obscure I- items that he brings up. Um, like like he talks, he has this. One mentioned about the uh, the pirate ship restaurant that was at Disneyland from like when it not not long after it opened, they actually had a restaurant that was on a pirate ship, mm. and eventually it you know went away. Obviously, I would very much like to have eaten at that place. Yeah. But no, he has a lot of. He, he, it's very 
very interesting how how he goes in the deep dives of rides that you know rides that you know were there and then disappeared and then rides that started one way but then were changed in development and came out a different way like Honda mentioned it how it started and some of the early um, designs for it much much different than how it like it started off as like this a sea captain murdering his wife in her in her uh, spirit, kind of haunting. And they used to be like a walkthrough with forget like um, cast member interactions. Like they would like put on a turn on a fan and or grab people from behind or whatever. Bring your family, kids. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he it, it's really very interesting. Some of the stuff he goes into. Interesting. Cool. I'll, I'll definitely check that one out because you know. I as well am a huge uh, Disney fan. So. Mm-hmm. All right, that brings me to Musical Hell, which I know I've definitely discussed on this show several times before. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but Diva uh, discusses just the worst of filmed musicals. <laughs> um, her last episode that she did this this month was uh, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, <laughs> starring Burt Reynolds, who should never be in a musical, yep. along with Jim Neighbors, who also should not be in a musical, Dom DeLuise, who should not be in a musical, Wait, and Dolly Parton, you know who actually very lovely singing voice. You know voice. Jim Neighbors started his career as a musician, right? Yes, I know that. Okay. And he's, he has a heavenly singing voice, but not for this type of musical. Okay. <laughs> um, I just wanted to make sure we're clear. She is... Honestly, she's my wife's doppelganger. And from what I what I found out from Jess uh, from from uh, musicals with cheese is that legitimately it is entirely possible they may have been separated at birth. Uh, they're the same age. They do live on opposite ends of the country, um, but they are the same age. They have the exact same taste in everything. Like I watched one of these with Autumn, and we got hooked, and we just went down the channel list, and she's like. I don't disagree with a word this woman is saying. <laughs> I agree with everything. And the fact that it, it's portrayed from uh, the the standpoint that she is the musical demon from hell. <laughs> and she is judging everything on this. So there's a lot of like, oh, sweet Lucifer. <laughs> and what in the here is going on? And um, But every Halloween she does a really great episode. Um, she... Well, this this past Halloween, she did uh, Zombies, or as it's spelt on the Disney Channel, Z-O-M-B-I-E-S. It's a Disney Channel original. Oh, okay. Make with that what you will. Uh, she's done The Phantom of the Paradise, which is just so crazy. <laughs> it's just so many great musicals on there. And I this is like, anybody time I talk to people who love musicals, this is the channel I recommend to them. Because it's so unbelievably great. In fact, you know... Bring up M from Verbal Diorama and her. Just M, you're unhealthy. Uh, you're unhealthy obsession. <laughs> Three, two. two. Um. And the school year trudges on with talent show rehearsals, dead end romantic subplots, and oh yeah, sin number five. This is the single dumbest song about sex I have ever heard. And remember, I've heard this. <laughs> There is a lot of humor potential in the idea of a nervous teacher trying to explain the facts of life to a bunch of kids who've been, well, doing a little extracurricular study on the subject, but the song misses all of it. The patter verses are clumsy instead of clever. Is it possible the female member of some sex on a couch could like get this guy all hot and she never even knew it? And there's an attempt at the same sort of gender gap dynamic that the original had with Summer Nights, but it doesn't pay off as well. While Summer Nights uses a he-said-she-said motif to contrast two different perspectives on a summer romance, reproduction just boils down to girls are reluctant to have sex while boys can't think of anything else. I said her the, uh, the, cl- the, her, the, the, the musical hell from, uh, from Grease 2. And yes, Sam, I know, we'll review it one day. So, all right, who's up next? Catherine. Yes. What's up? Okay, so um, the last one I'm going to talk about is the only, like, independently made thing that I'm going to talk about. Uh, This is Kintamayama doing, he does for every, so, okay, in Japan, as part of the Shinto religion, they have sumo wrestling. Um, They are earth, representative of earth gods. It is a 15-day contest 
done um, where everybody's going to fight pretty much everybody else, but not quite. Um, and uh, as you go on in the days, uh, people are, you know, the, the seeds line up so that you eventually have, like, the better wrestlers wrestling each other at the end. Uh, and then, you know, if there are injuries, then other people get moved in or somebody just gets the gimme. Yep. Um, but it, it's all it's all very interesting. Uh, these things are like, you know, it goes on all day long. There's a lot of, of posturing and stamping. Uh, Kintamiyama cuts that all down to, like, just the fight. So each day is only 15 to 25 minutes long. So you can, like, sit down and watch a few episodes and spend an hour at it. Um, but yeah, it runs from, like, a Sunday to, like, two weeks later on Sunday. Hmm. Uh, t- every two months. It's on the odd number months, so we're coming up on one this month soon. Interesting. Um, and uh, Hakuho is probably going to retire in the next few years if he lasts that long. He is the winningest uh, wrestler in recorded history. And if you think about how long professional sumo re- how how long sumo wrestling has been happening in Japan, yeah, not just like this professional televised level, but centuries ever, yeah. ever. He has the most tournament wins. He has the most personal wins. Um, and Kintamiyama also breaks it down. Like before the fight, he tells you who's who, basically where they're from, where their standings are in the tournament before they fight, and their personal standings. The two of them fighting each other. So you can see that you know. Hakuho has beaten this guy 19 times out, and the other guys won twice. <laughs> uh, and and it's funny because like if you know you'll see Hakuho lose one day, you're like, oh, the, tomorrow's guy's gonna get run over because <laughs> he really hates losing, <laughs> and he will just like and um there. Are, but it's not just like huge fat guys that you think of. There are some like shorter, you know, um, oh, I can't remember. Uh, uh, Fireplug sized guys All right. that just pull like judo moves. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're, one day we're watching this new guy comes in and we're like, is that an arm bar? <laughs> 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 and uh, uh, Tochi Notion is one of my husband's personal favorites because he's just a huge guy out of um, uh, uh, Eastern, Eastern Europe who just like reaches over people's shoulders, grabs them by the belt, picks them up, puts them outside of the ring. <laughs> and it's, you know, once it's it's fun to watch, and, and Kitamiyama's his commentary on it, it's mostly text. So you don't have, like, it's not like one guy just yammering at you. He does do some intros now. He's been right. talking in the last couple of years. But it's mostly just the text at the beginning, and then you watch the fight, and then the text at the end. Uh, and he's got some funny commentary and puns and jokes and stuff like that. Interesting. But cool. Yeah, yeah. And he'll tell you like how they won. There's all you know all the professional sumo moves. But then there's also Slippy Otoshi, which is just somebody slipped and fell on their face. The <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. if you have any kind, of, if you've ever enjoyed the actual wrestling part of wrestling, I, I encourage you to take a look. Hmm. Interesting. Definitely, Joe. All right, my next one is um, one thing that I love to watch are uh, explainer videos, uh, videos that basically explain how the world around you works. <clears throat> and one of my favorite is uh, is called GCP Gray. Yep, it's an uh, he's an American uh, teacher. I think he's a history teacher who lives in uh, in London. He lives in the UK, and he puts out these like uh, these videos, basically explaining he's explaining things. He's educational. He, and he, he covers a wide breadth of, of uh, topics like history, politics, science, and things like that. And he uses um, stick figures, <laughs> yeah, stick figure animation for his oh, uh, for his uh, for his, uh, his I'm in stick figure death theater. But it's it's you you learn a lot of things that and you realize a lot of the things that you you didn't think like for example you know that this there's London the city we all know. And then there's the city of London, which is a wholly separate entity within the actual city limits of oh, London. Oh. It's not London. Right. It's actually like the fight. It's like a Wall Street that became sovereign or somehow. Mm-hmm. The great city of London, known for its historical landmarks, modern skyscrapers, ancient markets, and famous bridges. It's arguably the financial capital of the world and home to over 11,000 people. Wait, what? 11,000? 
That's right, but the city of London is a different place from London. Though London is also known for its historical landmarks, modern skyscrapers, ancient markets, famous bridges, and is home to the government, royal family, and seven million people. But if you look at a map of London crafted by a careful cartographer, that map will have a one square mile hole near the middle. It's here where the city of London lives inside the city named London. Despite these confusingly close names, the two Londons have separate city halls and elect separate mayors who collect separate taxes to fund separate police who enforce separate laws. But he and he explains it. But he he does that. He does such a good job of breaking it down and simplifying it that you kind of it, it like all clicks in your head. You're like, oh, that's why things are the way they are. His explanation of the boundary between Canada and the the America. one yeah the one there's a apparently I did not, I did not realize this there was a one mile border there's a one mile border between the U S and Canada yeah a, a DMZ. A one mile between, <laughs> between the, the Canada and the U.S. Yeah, there was either it was either Radio Lab or This American Life talked to these people that decided they wanted to put up a fence around their property somewhere in Western United States, and they got in trouble right. because even though their property was kind of it was into the DMZ, they were, yeah, they're not allowed to put up a fence there. Right, and there and it was like this whole thing. And there are like a couple of port. Uh, there's like one portion like in like Minnesota or Michigan. Where the the boundary just kind of drops, yeah. And because when when they were ma- marking the whole thing out, the map had a fold in it, <laughs> so the line was you know it went from one fold to the other, but they didn't realize that until they unfolded it, and they're like, oh, well now we'll just have to go from one line to another, just a straight line down, <laughs> and that cuts off like it, part of the United States. But it's great because you also learn like things about history that you don't learn in like. History class, like right. history class like is I, about dates, right? But like, like I didn't realize that the reason that the British royal family is so rich is because they rent their land, yes. to the British government. Yeah, that's how they make their money. And it's like, oh, that makes sense now. Okay. Oh, is that what Trump's doing? <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, yeah, exactly. Just stay in my lovely hotels. Yep. Oh, God. <laughs> You roach-infested bed bug let's, let's, let's move on. Let's yeah, yeah, all right. So, GCP Grey, watch it. Yes. All right, Mike, what do you got? Uh, next, I've got kind of a kind of hand-in-hand with Yesterworld, Defunct Land. I love Defunct Land. Yes. I love Defunct Land. And I've, like, taken a step back from the Disney videos just because I didn't remind myself of when I was happy six months ago. <laughs> but, um... It, it, it there, there is a lot. There is some overlap between Yesterworld and Funkland. They actually have done a couple of videos together. Yeah, that. But uh, Kevin Perger, yeah. the guy who does that, has done stuff with Disney Dan. Yeah, and a couple. I think he's done stuff with Rob Plays as well. Mm. But, and, um, but like, yeah, he covers you know Disney, you know Disney parks and Disney rides. But he also does stuff like um, he's done like a five or six video, um, kind of following uh, Jim Henson. When Kermit's character developed on Sesame Street, finally lightening up a bit, his personality split in two. In the morning, he could be seen talking gently to children and teaching them the alphabet, but in the evening, he would be on Jim's arm appearing on late-night shows. Here, he would act as a foil to the kind Jim, once again coming off as rude. Jim's decision to place Kermit as the host of The Muppet Show would be one of the best decisions he would make, because it gave the character something he needed desperately, a home. As the showrunner, host, and boss of the bizarre group of weirdos that resided at The Muppet Show, Kermit could finally become an extension of Jim, who had a very similar role with his team, while also being able to get angry and yell, something Jim never did. After the character was given the job, he no longer came off as rude or grumpy. Instead, he was merely trying to make everything work with a group of people that were making it extremely hard for him. From Did you watch that one? I think I might have sent you the link for that, Catherine. Oh, the one where they... the. The whole thing where they were going to do the Muppets were going to take over Disney for a year um, or something. That was that might have been a different video in the same vein, but he no, he literally just did like yeah. a a four, I think it was a five part. Yeah, where he kind of just follows Jim Henson from uh, right from where he very started, like in you know his doing his commercials all the way through you know um, to his death. Yeah, all you know he did an entire video of you know the last Jim Henson um, video. He just Follows it, it's a beautifully done video, actually. I don't it think is. I got this. It's huh? a, it's I don't think I don't. I, I, I can. I'm going to send you the link. It, oh. it, kind, of, it kind of intersperses, um, like Jim Henson selling um, the Muppets to the to Disney and the issues we had with again Michael Eisner, um, and he kind of intersperses that combined with uh, the 
funeral, you know, the televised funeral of Jim Henson. Right. And the way he intercuts the two uh, stories in together is just beautifully done. Cool. Really amazing. Yeah, it is. It really is. And they do a great breakdown between when, you know, when they do the stuff pre-Muppet show, mm. and then when they do the Muppet show, and then they go on to Fraggle Rock, yeah. and all the stuff that happened in, in, in between that, and after Fraggle yeah. Rock, what happened with the, with the movies, it... Oh my god, it's just such a fantastic uh, channel. Uh, i got to figure out how to share this with you, but I'll do that later. Okay. Um, but, yeah, and I love I love his stuff about the defunct rides, because that's yeah. really where I found him, because I wanted to find something about 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, because that is my favorite ride that will never, ever come back. No, because there is no lagoon at... There is no, no, because anymore. now it's Seven Doors uh, Minecart. Yeah. There, there is still a submarine ride in, in California, but now it's Finding Nemo. Yes, exactly. But yes, it is such a great channel. He, he's great, and he's one of those guys you can tell has learned because his videos are getting better and oh, yeah. better and better. Like he did an entire season just on the Eisner years. Yeah, if you go back and watch his like his first videos, he's actually got that very dark, uh, that very dark deep, voice when he very starts. Deep, on, yeah, well, presentation voice. Now you know if you watch his more recent ones, it's just it's much more normal. He's just talking. To, he's talking like like we talk right here. Yeah, he's also got a book out, by the way. Oh, I didn't know about so, that. So yeah, yeah, I, I've been meaning to get it, but you know, just yeah. Yeah, reading. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what do I got next? So I got one last one on my list, and it's Trash Theory, which is a um, YouTube channel dedicated to the origins of rock music. Years from 1991, the show adopted a live vocal to pre-recorded backing track policy. This would eventually be removed due to a vast number of acts being unable to reproduce quality vocal performances live. But before it's phasing out, we got perhaps the most famous clip from the rock-leaning side of Top of the Pops, Nirvana's performance of the Smells Like Teen Spirits. Miming to the backing track, bassist Chris Novoselic mugs for the camera, and drummer Dave Grohl does his best impression of Animal from The Muppets. But singer Kurt Cobain, as always, is the one to watch. While barely playing guitar, he not only changes the song's first lyrics, Load up on drugs, but croons the song an octave lower than on record. By the pre-chorus, he is barely audible as he fellates the microphone. Asked about it later, Cobain stated he wanted to sound like Morrissey. The performance ends in a stage invasion. The band would not be asked back. And primarily, like, it starts 70s punk and goes into stuff like how did pop punk become a thing? How did, um, you know, how did the Sex Pistols go? Thank you. How did the Sex Pistols become huge? Um, they, he just did one recently on um, a song we we talked about back when we talked about the movie soundtracks. When I talked about um, 24 Hour Party People, a whole thing about how she's lost control again made Joy Division. And it's just, there are some fantastic videos that are come across very well-educated, and he shows a lot of, like, the musical influence. So it's like, this is a riff on this. And he plays the song that it's riffing. Um, did just recently did a whole thing on the the, uh, the British pop ska band, The Specials, and just, they gained influence from this, and they sampled a lot from this. Let's listen to that, and... They're very, they're great videos. They're about twenty minutes long too. They're not very long videos at all, but you can learn a lot in a very short period of time. And you can, that's one of the. That, there, this is a rabbit hole thing. Once I discovered it, it was like <laughs> down the rabbit hole. Well, that's how I found found the Funkland. I watched a video on Yesterworld. I saw it on the side yep. the Funkland. What's this? I check that out. Oh, okay. Oh, it, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So that's all I got to say about that. Um, who's got stuff left? I got one more. All right. It's real quick. Um, this kind of talks to my, the engineer in me, because I love seeing stuff getting built and stuff like that, and it's a channel by a gentleman called Alex Steele. He's a blacksmith. Woodworker. No. I was going to say woodworker? No, blacksmith. All right. Name Steele. 
Steel. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> did, he make a, did he make a metal suit of armor and fly around with a Superman chest? No, not quite. Okay. <laughs> no, he's a, he's an amateur uh, blacksmith who basically just went to, you know, start a YouTube channel and taught himself, well, didn't teach himself, but he just started, you know, forging stuff, making uh, knives and stuff like that. It's, you know... For me, as you know, somebody who studied who has a degree in engineering and everything like that, I love seeing how stuff gets made, and I love like watching techniques, like black uh, blacksmithing techniques, forging techniques, and stuff like that. So, if you like seeing stuff get made, I enjoy it. And he's he's right down to earth, and he, he makes it he breaks it he makes it simple for idiots like me to watch. So. <laughs> Um, I think that leaves you, Mike. I think you're the last one with any like content to talk about. Yeah, I've only got two more. All right. Um, one, uh, John Campia. One of the executives over at Mattel said the following. Working with Daniel will enable us to take a completely new approach to Barney that will surprise audiences and subvert expectation. What the fuck are you talking about? This is Barney. We're going to surprise audiences and subvert expectations. You think you're making the Joker? I get it. He's purple. I get it. Uh, yeah, I, I sometimes watch him. It's it's more of, you know, if he's talking about something I'm interested in, I'll watch him. Um, I'm kind of in that same boat with you, especially, I, I think you and I have discussed this, the whole thing about when Justice League, it, it was it was two years ago when Justice League was gearing up for his release, he's like, Guys, this movie's going to gross a billion dollars. It's going to be the biggest movie of the year. And then, when it didn't come close to that, his his about face was really sad. It was really... No, no, I didn't say it was going to make... I said it was possible. No, you said it was going to make a billion dollars, John. You said it. And making a video showing <laughs> where it actually lined up, it's like, oh, what is Warner Brothers doing? It's it's gross less than Doctor Strange did. It's like, no, that doesn't make it right. Yeah, he, he's he's very hit or miss for me, but, yeah. you know, when I, when I do watch him, even if I don't agree with it, he, you know, he's... I don't hate him for it. Right. You know, he's just... Yeah. Oh, I was down when he was like, taking down Grace Randolph. Oh yeah! Oh, she well, deserves. Grace to be Randolph. She deserves to be taken bitch. down. Yeah, she's the worst. Oh, she is the worst. I, 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 I downloaded a video blocker just so I would stop seeing her videos pop up on my when I do a Yahoo uh, a YouTube, a YouTube search. search. Oh wow! Just because yeah, I, I can't. Fucking worst. And I, I swear I don't know how her videos get that many views, but I, 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 I would bet dollars to donuts. It's bots. She has a ton of bots just downloading her videos again. It's totally possible. Just so she gets viewed. Because she has, like, she drops a video for, like, and then one hour later she, like, has like 500,000 views. I'm like, yeah. there's, there's no fucking possible way. The yeah. YouTube algorithm, too, is another big thing with that. Because, like, I'll watch videos that are totally positive about, like, I watch a Captain Marvel video. You know, here's five great things about Captain Marvel. And then, Right below it, videos you might like. Why Captain Marvel was a box office failure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Really? Hmm. Well, you know, Disney did buy all the tickets. Yeah. Because you know, they also have influence with Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Even though Warner Brothers owns a third of Rotten Tomatoes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> John Gampia, sorry. Yeah. No, that's, that's pretty much all I had to say. <laughs> uh, he, again, he's not... Something I go out of my way to watch, yeah. but if you know, if I do a search and his, a video of his pops up on something that I'm looking at, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll check it out. What, he's, what he had to think about it, because I've been a fan of his since the AMC Movie Talk days. I followed him through Collider, and yeah. I, 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 what I'm, I still, I, I, I never found him very offensive to me. So yeah, I'll, I'll always give him a chance. Right. And the last thing I got to want, I have to recommend is the movie trivia Schmodown. Okay, I've mentioned this before. It's you guessed it on there, haven't you? No, no, no. All right, no, all right. Wish. Sorry, I'm confusing it with something wish. else. I'm confusing it with something else. Yeah, no. Movie trivia Schmodown is basically what would happen if you took the uh, the theatricality and the like the heels and the faces of the WWE mm-hmm. and combine it with movie trivia um, game. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Movie Trivia Schmodown! 
I'm Christian Harlow. I am Mark Baby Carousels. We started the movie trivia showdown back 2014. The showdown, as we know, we got a little bit of a WWE flavor to it. get eight different questions from the movie trivia schmodown galaxy patreon question this one comes from Jack the hammer the wheel round you're kidding me this is why we play the schmodown (laughs) what the movie trivia schmodown is all about star wars inner geekdom teams singles celebrity schmodown get ready for it it's gonna be something then let's get ready to schmodown It, it, it is honestly. You watch a couple matches, and it is amazing because yet, you, you know, you've got the. It you is know, entertaining. I'll give. I'll yeah, give that. They, hell, they even have belts. Oh God! Yeah, they have an inner geekdom belt. They have a movie. Of, oh, a they, single, got, they got. Movie. Andy, they got storylines and everything going. Oh yeah! Oh God! They have a movie oh, trivia single <laughs> belt. They have a tag team belt. Um, I mean, this it, it literally. I mean, and the Facebook group is wild. Yeah. I mean, uh, actually, uh, the guy who started it, Christian Harloff, he was a writer for the WWE back in the 90s? Early, late 90s. He's actually been in a couple of videos. He's... Yeah, he actually... All right. There, there was actually a very brief uh, clip of The Rock walking through the uh, the back yeah. of the hallways, and he bumps into Christian Harloff. He's, you know, this is very young Christian Harloff, but... <laughs> um, but you know they you know they've got you know announcers they have a you know a crowd they have a, you know heels so when they walk out like, the crowd will boom it's like yeah whatever whatever and it, it but if you like WWE and you're at all a fan of movies absolutely you will have fun watching the movie trivia showdown I'll check it out yeah. I guess one you you brought up multiple times. And just something I've never gotten around to watching. I'll definitely check that one it's, out. It's been going on for, I think, six or seven years yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. On, it's on, I think they're on the sixth or se- seventh season right yeah. now. Yeah. But, yeah, it, every year they just improve it. They bring in more competitors. Uh, in fact, John Roca and Mark yeah. Riley have both been on it. So, cool. very, very fun show. Excellent. Well... I think that wraps it up. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was a good conversation. We went far longer than I thought. We, yes, exactly. Yeah, this, yeah. this justifies a two-parter. Yes. Yeah. So, anyway, next show. Um, and again, we do. I, 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 I'm going to take it upon myself to apologize for kind of the lack of episodes lately, or the space between the episodes, because I'm still in the middle of rehearsing um, Christmas Story, and unlike the last time I did a um, a major show, we're not actually taking a full break. Getting these shows in in between, um, but yeah, the next episode will most likely be our Christmas episode. I don't think anything else is going to come. I think it's going to end up being Christmas. Let's just call it there. We might do an early Christmas, and then maybe maybe a vi- one video to close out the year. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. So anyway, um, in case unless something else frees up, our next episode will be our gala twelfth annual Christmas episode. Um, this time we're gonna. We're going to go back to what made us famous in the first place. We're talking food. Um, (laughs) So we're going to uh, discuss holiday branded treats and drinks. So whether or not that is like a Sam Adams Christmas ale or it's Schweppes cranberry special holiday flavor or that really disgusting Pepsi, Christmas Uh, Pepsi. uh, I know what you're talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Or Little Debbie's um, bloody uh, spearheads. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Christmas trees. Uh, You know, Captain Crunch, Yuletide Crunch. Which will still destroy your... At the top of your your mouth, yep. (laughs) Lies, lies, I tell you. (laughs) So we're going to bring all that up. Um, I've got a good authority. Todd will be joining us for that one, by the way. Okay, cool. So, yes, excellent. So... More food to eat. So yeah. So um, so everybody starve yourself beforehand because yeah. it's going to be a festive night of gorging. <laughs> so um, if you have any special uh, treats that you want us to try to procure for this episode, uh, or uh, send us because obviously I will not mind uh, giving you our address in the DMs uh, on our Twitter uh, feed, which is at Geek Salad Radio. We're almost at a thousand followers, folks. Oh my Whoa. gosh! Close, nine hundred twenty-eight at last count. Woo! Thank you, everyone. Yes, thank you. Um, so we have got so many. Like, I want to try stuff, 
And if you've got some suggestions for us, you can uh, message us right at our Twitter feed, at Geek Salad Radio, on our Facebook page, which is Geek Salad Podcast. You can even email us at geeksaladradio at yahoo.com. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. You're looking at me weird, Catherine. You have a Yahoo address? I'm sorry, Gmail. Did I say Yahoo? You Gmail. said Yahoo! Jesus wow, that's Christ. going back That a is long going back, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I will reiterate. It is geeksaladradio at gmail.com. Thank you. Um, you can also uh, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast, be it Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, or Google Music. Uh, we're also available podcasts and weekly movie reviews at our YouTube channel, which is also Geek Salad Podcast. <laughs> and you can check out the full archive at geeksalad.podbean.com or on the Podbean app. So until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Catherine. Go forth and be nerdful. Talk to you later. Lastly, don't forget to hit subscribe and join us.